Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we are watching The Truman Show, as it turns 20 years old. That's right, it's already 20 years old. Where does the time go? Where does it go, Dan? Dan Buckle, guest number one. Uh, I believe it goes behind the fridge. Ah, right. Well, we'll have to check that later. Uh, Welcome, Dan. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me again. It's lovely to see you. Uh, Just for a reminder for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Uh, Well, uh, I'm the person who looks behind the fridge for time, um, like a plumber that's tripping. (laughs) No, uh, I'm I'm an improviser and children's entertainer uh, and lover of film. Indeed. And you have seen The Truman Show. Oh, yes. And in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what is it that you love about The Truman Show? Um, Itch... Uh, I think it was one of the first films that I saw that really hit home the idea that reality might not be what I think. Right. So kind of like in a uh, setting off your little, um, I I suppose, like sense of like alternate universes, Mm, that kind mm. of just like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Mm. And that was slightly disturbing in a wonderful way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It showed you the void. It was like, Daniel, (laughs) meet the void. Void, Daniel. Hi. And we've been friends ever since. (laughs) Yes. And uh, joining us as our guest who has not seen the film, it's Philip Hutton, everybody. Welcome, Phil. Hello. And a reminder for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? I am Philip and I am a student at Murdoch University and I also watch films in my spare time. Mm. But one film you've not seen... Is the, the Truman, Truman Show. Show. Uh, so, so um, what do you know about The Truman Show? Give us your your summation of, of what you know of this film you haven't seen. All the knowledge I have of The Truman Show is pretty much that Jim Carrey is in it. You are 100% mm. correct on your knowledge, so oh, that's good. well that's done. Good. Yes, no, Jim Carrey is indeed in it. <laughs> and uh, that, that obviously it introduces you to the void. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm looking well, yeah, forward to. In, in a sort of roundabout kind of way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not to spoil anything. I don't think there is specifically a scene with a, a sort of uh, representation of the void. <laughs> oh, I beg to differ. You begged... Actually, Stephen. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, well, we'll, we'll have to talk about it later. Yeah, we'll have to get into, into the after section. Um, yeah, it's it's been a long time since I've watched this film. It was one that I think I first watched in high school as part of like English classes um, you know, because at that time it was uh, less than 10 years old and it was one of those things where it's like oh here is a recent-ish film uh, which um, introduces some really interesting themes about uh, truth and reality and things of that nature and also I think just the core concept is kind of cool mm. um, the, you know, the core concept and particularly because so much of it revolves around the idea of reality television, but from an idea, I guess, from a time when reality TV wasn't really a big thing. 
Yeah, it, it had that rosy sort of futuristic vision of what reali- uh, reality TV could be. But then, um, like so many rosy visions of the future, we don't have our hoverboards yet and reality TV isn't interesting. So, with all that in mind, shall we watch the film? Yes. Mm, or will it watch us? <gasps> I am apprehensive. This <laughs> film sounds like it has its own sort of personality. Well, well... <laughs> You're about to meet it. So uh, for those of you at home, pop in your DVDs. And uh, if we don't see it at the end of the podcast, good afternoon, good evening, and good night as we prepare to watch The Truman Show. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching The Truman Show. By we, I, of course, mean Dan Buckle. Mm. And Philip Hutton. Mind blown. Yeah, we're, both, we're all sat here, just carefully checking any round objects in the room, <laughs> going, is that a camera? Is that a camera? It's probably a camera. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Phil, that was your first time watching The Truman Show. It was. What did you think? Um, I, I thought a lot of things. Mm. Like, a lot of things. <laughs> that, that is a lot to take in. Mm. Uh, I believe I may be paranoid for the next 48 hours at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, a lot. That sounds pretty redundant, but no. Mm. That was a very well-acted, well-thought-through, well-designed, thoroughly loved film, I think, by, mm. by the people who made it and obviously by the audiences that, that watch it for yeah. good reason. I mean, it, it, it has... I don't know whether or not you can say this is a cult classic, or just a classic, like, because the Truman Show doesn't strike me. Like when I think of it, I don't think, oh, the mega popular hit that was the Truman Show. Mm. But this is a well-known film. It's a well-referenced mm. film. Everyone knows. But I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's. For some reason, I, I feel like I want to go cult classic, but it's not a cult film. Like this was a, you know, this was like a sixty million dollar picture in the nineties that made bank. Like it made bank, I think, three or four times that um, in its run. So. But but it doesn't feel like it's a big mainstream film. Feel, I guess. If we want when that when we want our mainstream films to be called cult classics, it's just because they're really good. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. It's yeah. a really good film. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. You've yeah, you've cleared that up for me in one. Um, Dan, this was your first time watching it in quite a few years. Hmm. Um, how how was it watching it again? Um, Wonderful. Uh, I've seen it many times. Uh, it was it was one of my favourite films back in the day, because it it really it was a powerful film. Mm. Um, and I noticed a bunch of different things that I hadn't seen before. And um, it it's always nice watching this one again because knowing ahead of time all the deets that you know mm. makes makes it really really eerie and a really different second watch uh even though it's far from the second watch but um but after so long uh i was an adult last time i watched it so it's not that big a change but mm. it's still so much of it makes me go wow that is intensely creepy whereas before i thought oh that's that's kind of cool yeah uh, and now i just see see it as um almost a horror yeah i think it's a, it 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 does change depending on the time in your life that you watch it. Mm. I remember just thinking like, oh man, logistically, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> how have they done all this? They've got a dome that controls the weather. Oh my God. Mm. Whereas now I'm kind of going, oh no, it's the uh, dystopic nightmare, the loss of self and all mm. that sort of thing. So, you know, it just, it depends where you are in life. Um, and also weirdly, 
like not not to be too uh, coy, but what what are our ages in this in this room? Because I'm twenty eight. Oh, uh, twenty seven. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Truman, being ten thousand nine hundred odd days old, he's twenty. He's late twenties. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure that. Ooh. Yeah, I'll, I'll work that out as we go. But yeah. I know that you're twenty seven when you live through your ten thousandth day. Right. One random fact I have from oh, primary school. Be, need... He's uh, 29 and 300 odd days because he's 48 days shy of his 30th birthday. Yes. There cool. you go. Thick. Yeah. That was mentioned in the film. Uh, no, I just remembered that I read that. Um, <laughs> I remember reading that when the film takes place, he is not far. He's he's that many days away from right. his 30th birthday. Yeah. So he's 29. He's he's about to hit 30 when, when all this goes down. Mm. This is very much like what. That film is very much like what this age feels like. I yeah. don't know about you guys. I'm constantly kicking the car radio as I'm driving and mm. <laughs> changing yeah. stations. And the amount of product placement in my life. Are you guys getting that? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, my life's very different from Truman's. He's got all his stuff together. He's got a job, a <laughs> life, house, security, <laughs> all that. But, all that, but none of it's tools. real, Philip. What no. you're doing is real. What <laughs> oh, you're doing yes. is real. It's in no way fabricated. You're in no way controlled by society in I any way. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Stephen and I wouldn't lie to you. No. We... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know this until I accidentally, you know, drive my yacht into the side of the ocean wall. <laughs> I would actually quite like to see you just operating a yacht in general. That would, then that would be comedy, it, pure yeah, comedy. Operating yeah. it into a wall. Um, I, I wouldn't make it out of the harbour. <laughs> the film begins with um, Ed Harris's character, Christoph, um, dressing like a white Samuel L. Jackson. I've just <laughs> yes! Realized. Oh, he does. He does. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but, um, but you know, addressing the camera uh, and basically saying, oh, yeah, this is the Truman Show, and basically this is sort of what it's about. And it does start with those establishing to the audience very early on that Truman is the only true man in this world, that everyone in his life is an actor. Because we see uh, Laura Linney, who plays his wife, Meryl. Um, she is doing an interview about working on the show. And um, uh, Marlon, the the, well, the actor who is playing Marlon, is talking about, you know, oh, it's all real. We just control it. You know, that, mm. that that's sort of very typically like... That lovely the, rhetoric. Yeah, of... the very American um, cognitive dissonance that, <laughs> that, that they have, where it's like, oh, we're saying one thing and the other, and it's fine. Mm. Um, and yeah, we're introduced to, to Truman, who is this you know, relatively normal guy, uh, although it's Jim Carrey, so you're kind of like, uh, half the time you expect him to Start flail. the jokes. Yeah, yeah, and flail around. And I think this would have been a really... <laughs> well, he did do a bit of flailing, I guess. He, he really um, did, yes. But... I, this must have been quite disconcerting for like a late '90s audience when you consider that Jim Carrey's coming into this off the back of being Ace Ventura, being mm. in The Mask, the Cable Guy. Um, I like to imagine all the people that rocked up to the cinema expecting an mm. hour of laughter and then found themselves questioning yeah. the nature of their reality. Just mm. a bunch of like stoner dudes in their twenties going, "This isn't liar liar. <laughs> what is this?" And then hopefully being swept away by what is it is a beautiful film. Mm, it yeah. is it is very well shot. It's very it's very well considered, even so much in like you feel as though the shots themselves are actively a part of the world. Like mm. when you have establishing shots, it's a camera like zipping around trying to find where Truman is in the world and then when they find him locking onto him. And it and that says so much. Yeah, and it was very effective. It wasn't overused, but it was very impactful each time it was used. Mm. You really felt like, or at least I did, at least felt like you were you were peering into this person's life. Truman feels real, mm. like even though it's Jim Carrey and he's doing an excellent job acting his chops off, it's it. Truman at no point feels like somebody acting. No, 
I think that's a really quite incredible thing to to have in any film, uh, but particularly in a film where you're playing with layers. Mm. I found it quite impressive his performance where he, when you say he feels where he only wasn't acting, yeah, but but he. You did see him put on his public face in air quotations mm. that you can't see on the podcast. Uh, his public face for when he was out and about in what he thought was was the the public world, mm. and then when he was home, he would he would be more real. And when he was in his uh, private moments, as he thought them, he would he would drop that face. Uh, mm. And so it made it every time he he put on that that catchphrase and and that big old smile. Mm. You're like, oh, cool, but also, oh, mm. sad, uh, and also sad because he didn't know for most of that that it was on a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, is probably reflective of the fact that people do that in real life. I'm sure we all have our moments when we're by ourselves. Um, Pretending to be an astronaut. Or putting together uh, collages of that one girl we met in university. I can't (laughs) count the number of cut-out eyes and scratched-out mouths that I've got of magazine (laughs) pictures. Yeah, it's... That 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 bit maybe reads a little a little uh, creepier than I think it was intended. But I th- I think that's great because you see a part of of someone's life that that they would be embarrassed about to mm. show to anyone. Yeah. And yet we've got a camera in his secret box, mm. looking there with night vision if we want to. Yeah, and I I think it's also who's the real creep. Um, I think everyone is partly creepy in, in this scenario. I think there's equal creepage, but I, 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 I'm also, it's one of those things where it's just like, because it is an intensely personal private moment and he's, you know, this is, this is a very pre-internet world. Um, nobody's got smartphones. Um, and that, I am curious how much that would change how something like the Truman Show would work in, a, if this film was made in 2018 as opposed to 1998. That's such a... I I think people would volunteer for a life like that nowadays. Um, You reckon? I I really do. Not not a lot of people, but I think that there would be those who would be more than happy to sign themselves and any future children that they would have up to a world of just 24-7 reality television. A lot of people kind of already do Mm. live stream their whole life. Just the difference would be now that you would have people watching. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, there is that. But I think also part of the, the the real beauty of this story is is Truman slowly becoming aware of the reality around him is a fabrication. I, I don't know I don't know if the sort of people you want to watch are the sort of people who would volunteer for a twenty four hour thing. Good point. Mm-hmm. I feel no particular connection to the cast members of the Jersey Shore, or well, that's because you haven't been watching the Geordie Shore, well, which is a lot better. Okay, well, I, I also <laughs> the situation is better over there. Well, they're funnier when they're drinking. Maybe it's just the accents. That's true. That's true. Now, English people are much funnier drunk than Americans. <laughs> I will agree with that. Um, but yeah, I it's it is interesting as well because we we were talking during the film. It was like what reality TV was around in the late nineties. Mm. To be honest, there was really only things like. The real world, which it turns out I was the only person who knew what that was, and yep. it was it was an American program which was sort of like the precursor to things like Big Brother and Survivor, in that you know it was quote unquote real people, um, but they were you know they were essentially just like oh Tommy goes to the shops, Gina has a yoga class, but they all live together in this one apartment in an American city, and we just follow them on their day-to-day business but they were aware that the cameras were there Mm. they were allowed to go out and do things to be honest they were like encouraged to go out and do things because you know it was literally just following a bunch of people video diary in the real world yeah and then but post this you get things like 
big brother which i think is obviously the the beginning of the mm, end yeah yeah um you know it's george orwell's snake eating its own tail uh you know it's um but but yeah i think there's something about the nature of the participant not knowing which is what makes it an engaging film but also like it gives it all the the moral and ethical questions around it he becomes infatuated with um sylvia after a couple of brief encounters and she tries to tell him that none of this is real like picking up the sand on the beach and saying this isn't real none of this is real Mm. and she gets whisked away um yeah it's just it's there's so many wonderful questions that, that come out of it it makes sense why you know this is used in in English and creative arts uh, mm. studies in high school and and universities. The product placement. Hmm. Um, um, Phil, I'm guessing you're not a fan of product placement. Uh, no, 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 no. Is I'm it? not. I'm not a fan of product placement. And uh, there was a lot of it. There <laughs> was. There weren't even real products. No. So it was still getting on my nerves. But I want Kaiser <laughs> Chicken now. I want Kaiser, Kaiser Chicken. chicken. I am, yeah. Even though I'm a vegetarian, I am fascinated with now. Um, Why is it called Kaiser Chicken? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think uh, I think K. I think subliminally. Yeah. Like if you, I, okay. I've noticed that in a lot of movies, if they have to swap out the brands for a chicken, like franchise, it's still it starts with a K. Okay. Or the the burger franchise will start with a B or an M. Mm. I've no idea why. Mm. Mm. But yeah, it was. I I thought the fact that. Laura Lenny's character, um, Meryl in particular, was used to advertise products. But the fact everyone was doing it, like Marlon was always like, ah, this beer, the most delicious beer. Can't remember the name of it, but it's like, this is the best beer in the world. Or those two guys pushing him up against the <laughs> Next sign. Next to the poster yeah. every time. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. And like the fact that they all drove Fords. Like, he drove a Ford. Marlon drove a Ford truck. I didn't notice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice I didn't a real notice product placement all. either. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just. It was just because. I, it, it, yeah. After seeing the Kaiser Chicken thing, I was like, oh, product placement. So I was keeping an eye out for things like that. Just and non-stop. Yeah, the fact that then when we get to the interview later on with um, Christoph and they're talking about how they fund the whole thing through product placement, um, and that you know there's even a Truman catalog mm. through which these things work. It's. It's fascinating particularly 20 years on, where that sort of thing feels more... Normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like, normal. Because, I, I, like, I, again, I'm trying to imagine going back to the... Like, advertising existed in the 90s. There was product placement in James Bond films yeah. way back, you know, that kind of thing. The idea of having an entire catalogue based on uh, a show... Yeah. Or, or, or a some, show that program. literally will change its creative direction and soul mm. to fit in more creative... Mm. Uh, more product placement... When it sells out, you know, that's yeah. the, I think, the term. Yeah, and I, I suppose, it's again, it's that critique of of every, of everything that is to do with consumerism and to do with control and, and the society that we we choose to engage in in, in, uh, in the West. And there's something about the way it's done in this film which makes it feel much more icky than something like Back to the Future, which we had recently. There's a lot of product placement in Back to the Future. And real product placement, too. Yeah. Um, but it, but in, 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 I guess it's partly because in, in those films, it's partly used to show the different time periods. You know, you see the, mm-hmm. the Texaco petrol station, how different it is in 85 to mm-hmm. 55, and then when they go to the future, and it's all like future fuel and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it is interesting seeing how that was used almost like a, as a gauge of time whereas mm. in this particular film none of the products aside from the ford cars are real mm. um and again the ford cars weren't like oh you should drive 
this Ford car. Yeah. It was literally just they just happened to all have Fords. Um, whereas, like the the slicer dicer uh, thing that Laura Linney's character was trying to sell, or oh, the, I the love Coca. how stupid that thing was as well. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Slice me, dice me, peel me. There's so many options. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It, it, it is a horror. This film is, is basically it is. a horror. It's very creepy. It's... But uh, just on the note of that product placement, I really admire that they used fake products for that because they easily could have used real ones and then mm. made a bunch more money, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and had less effort. It, w- it would have just been easier for them all around. But, but the we're... fact they didn't yeah. made it just... It really drove home the message of, of how fake the world was. It, yeah, it was. it was wonderful. But if you were an advertiser, say you were in charge of a lawnmower company. Let's say we've got Dan Buckle's lawnmowers. Um, uh, which are, in fact, uh, for sale. Uh, well, do you mind if I... Play? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll, we'll do it at the okay, end. Okay, okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll slip it in okay, casually. Yes. But say, for example, you're in charge of Dan Buckle's lawnmower emporium. And... Sounds efficient and cheap. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and doing it right now. And in so you. many locations. Uh, <laughs> would you want your product associated with a film that is critiquing product placement? Uh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely for the same mm. reason that in Wayne's World... Um, they were decked out in Reebok gear while making a joke about product placement. Still works. Whenever I think of product placement, I actually think of Wayne's World and Reebok and Pepsi. So okay. it has worked. Okay, but there's a difference between letting like Wayne and Garth wear it and go, yeah. oh man, we're making a joke, to like having Jim Carrey trapped in a dystopian nightmare with advertising all around it. It's like having product placement in The Matrix. You go, cool, but that's the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, It's... I don't know, there's lots of questions. Phil, are there, any, are there any big questions about this film that are, like, ringing around inside your head? Oh, yes, yeah, so many, so many questions. Okay. Um, uh, like, with the with the products and the cris- consumer culture critique that comes there, I'm not sure who this film was raging against. I don't know if it was raging against consumerism or raging against the kind of, you know, cultural nationalistic ideologies that we just stick ourselves into, or if it was a more spiritual kind of tantrum from it like that, that i don't know really i'm gonna have to sit back for maybe as i said to dan maybe 48 hours i reckon i'll be thinking about this mm. film before i decide i think it was about such and such which mm. you know ultimately it could just be about being a person learning to break free and determine who you are yourself mm. or i don't know insert some heartwarming hero's mm lesson there but I, don't, yeah. I just don't know i mean there was a general rage i think you're right but yeah. i i think i felt rage yeah. a lot like yeah. even though these people weren't real and this was not a real show i i'm very much convinced that i would have found myself in that very liberal sort of protesting outside the front mm. as the staff rock up every morning as i said why doesn't peter rescue him well, um, he's not an animal. Peter only care uh, about. Well, we could stretch the scientific terminology <laughs> like yeah. a bit. Would strictly speaking, he's part of the animal kingdom. Uh, but if not Peter, someone like yeah. the human version of Peter. I, I mean, don't in know fairness, if there is the, one. There like when, when we saw inside Sylvia's apartment, there were like posters where it was like the mm. the Truman Rally and things like that. Yeah, and, and the yeah. badge. How does it end? Or yeah, like, which like, I feel like often would have been to... yeah a very big rallying call for anyone who would have protested the Truman Show at the mm. beginning, or yeah. or who knows. A, but those people I felt a lot of empathy with. I'm like, yes, this is wrong. There's mm. a person being kept prisoner and mm. their whole life, their exp- like their experiences, they are being consumed by everyone else. Yes. And including, uh, obviously, and there's, there's the joke in it, including me. Mm. Like, I'm part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just yeah, it's just, just there's just lots to it. It's just a big old sandwich of questions, and it's just lovely to see Jim Carrey. Like any yeah. excuse will do, and he does a really good job in this so film. Good. Like it, you know, I mean, he's done lots of different serious acting stuff since then, um, but this was kind of the the breakout serious acting thing for him, and. I don't know if you could have really gotten anyone else that could have played it as well. Well, I was going to mention at some point how it's uh, it, it's amazing how modern day Jim Carrey is kind of doing a bit of the same thing. He's going, <laughs> um, you know what? This whole celebrity culture is bullshit and fake and not real. Um, and in fact, even to the point of of going in his in his spirituality and philosophy identity and personality is not real who are we what is this thing i am i am no one there is nothing out there it's all it's all arbitrary it's all in the mind mm. uh and then watching him at the end uh saying you know you never ever had a camera in my head and and going to leave into the portal of darkness and, and oh, the that real was the world void, by the way yeah 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 the void um uh was it it just made me realise that yeah he's on a very similar journey right now it seems uh, and that was quite fascinating to me. Hmm. That's very good. I also think uh, as a few other performers that we have to point out, um, Ed Harris is always amazing, but in this I feel it's almost like career definingly good. It was a very uh, hypnotic kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I yeah I can't think of anything that's come close that I've seen him in. Um I I well, this is a bit more current being the Westworld series that's out oh, right now. Another world where we play with the real and the mm. inhabitants of the island are victims of not knowing mm. that they're not real. Mm. All those layers Ed Harris is in there too making me question existence. It seems to be his job. Um <laughs> I loved there's this kind of I didn't know if he was a villain. I didn't know if he was a good guy. Mm. I still don't. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah neither. Even years yeah, no. after. I yeah. think uh, uh, if you give that to anyone other than Harris, they would have been so eas- easily happy to make a megalomaniac sort of villain mm. control freak yeah. character. But instead we've got this almost paternal... Yeah. Strange. Mm. And it's really interesting. I think it is very much down to the individual because I know of like friends of mine who, if I was watching that, um, they would be like, he's such a creep. That's creepy. I don't like this. I don't like the fact that he touches the screen when he's like, it's like when he's trying to like stroke Truman. It's like it's Hello, weird. It's Truman. controlling and it's manipulative. And he is quite literally playing God and willing to like kill Truman, even at the at the last bit. He's like, "Who are you? I am the creator." Yeah, of a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that last part. <laughs> yeah, I can't quite get away with being yeah. God, um, but at the same time, I, I think there is there is a nuance to what. Ed Harris does mm. and to, to what Christoph is like he's a complete dickhead that's, that's that's unquestionable he's like what he's doing is selfish is is selfish and it's all ultimately about him because we see that he's willing to try and kill Truman in the end and I think that that ultimately undoes a lot of a lot of the maybe good feelings <coughs> we have towards him mm. but I don't think he's compl- he's not completely one way it's not a 100% he's a villain um, and I think the fact that it is such a good performance from Ed Harris does play into that nuance you discussed. I also love how uh, he mentions that his character, or other people mentions that his character, really values his own privacy and doesn't give interviews to anyone. <laughs> Just putting yeah. that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really good point. Didn't think of that. Um, I also really like, we've got a couple of really great cameos. Um of, uh, well, the interviewer, Harry Shearer. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm calling it a cameo because he's, 
he's just being he's Harry Shearer. Yeah. yeah, he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He's got such a distinctive voice and way of speaking where he does speak like a corporate schmuck so well. <laughs> yes. Uh, ah, yes. Yeah, it's like yes. I'm just going to ask this question, and you can tell I've not thought about anything that I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yes. Mm. Mm. It's quite, <laughs> yeah, and it's quite fitting that you, you, Dan, you're here in your uh, principal skin in a steamed ham shirt ah, as well. Ah, yes, that's yeah. true. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was lovely to have him in the middle of the film as part of that interview sequence. And the other thing I was really pleased to see, um, Scully from Brooklyn yeah, Nine-Nine. Yes. Young Scully, who <laughs> apparently hasn't changed his haircut in 20 years. Um, but yeah, it was like, and he's still like a bit of like a, you know, a fat, lazy... Same uh, comedy style. Security official, yeah. Could almost be the Brooklyn Nine-Nine character before he started working at yeah. the precinct. Yeah, it was just... As soon as I saw him, I was like, of course you're in this. I remember now. <laughs> but yeah, it was just so lovely seeing Scully. And I was just waiting for him to like pull a, a, a pistol out of a tub of yogurt or something. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, what I loved uh, as well about this, um, and I think maybe I like it more each time I rewatch it, is uh, when you flick back to the audience, the, the audience watching in the yeah. various different locations, yeah. uh, that to me sells so many of the themes and so much of the film at least as much as Jim Carrey or, or any of the other stuff, their reaction just being so engaged and hooked in mm. and so their um, lives are paused while they're watching someone else's. And whether or not they l- support Truman or want him freed, they're all they're inevitably still watching, watching it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're still supporting it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it, it, it is interesting as well seeing their investment in in this in this phenomenon, mm. in this story. And I was as I was watching it, I was thinking about, you know, just how powerful stories are oh right yeah like i loved how the old ladies they had pictures of Mm. truman on their cushions Mm. that they were holding on to it it reminded me a bit like doctor who you know if you've gone into a doctor who's like if they're a fan yeah you know that pretty much two seconds after you get into the house because there is tardis or like a dalek or something you'll know Mm. there's doctor who stuff everywhere yeah there's a body pillow of david tennant just stood up against the wall. I mean, and we all like, have one of those yeah. at home, don't we? Yeah, yeah well, at least one. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Also John Barrowman. Oh, well, of course. Um, that one comes with attachments, though. Uh, <laughs> the um, Yeah, and I think seeing that, that sort of, I guess almost like that fan culture, like, you know, you see the two um, the two barmaids in this Truman-themed mm. bar. They were the best. best. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd never noticed it was a Truman-themed bar as well. Mm. I also really like that one of the the actresses who plays those barmaids. Her name is her first name is Olin, but it's spelled O hyphen L A N. And Dan and I were commenting as we were looking in the comments. It's like, oh, what's your name, Olin? How do you sp- oh, so O L A N uh, 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 O hyphen? It's not Olin. It's Olan. <laughs> Thanks, mum and dad. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, pronunciation. Just just a really fun name. Good good choice. Um. Yeah, the but but seeing that fan culture, seeing that um, that engagement from from like you know the Japanese family who are trying to learn how to say good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Mm, yes. um, the guy in the bath who's just like, "Come on, Truman, you can do yeah, it." Yeah, he's emotionally gripped. By also, the did you guys just posit in your backstories for that guy's character that he'd been in the bath the whole season? Of yes, the yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah. forgot to get out yeah. because mm. the show kept going. Yeah, I, I was thinking he's got like some sort of weird skin condition on yeah. the lower half of his body is to be constantly hydrated. There you go. So Truman was a good company for him. Yeah, that, that, that's where I went. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it was wonderful because I think it helps you as the, the 
film watcher feel like you're part of that as well because mm. though it in a sense this film is responsible for Gogglebox. They're just thinking that yeah. the Gogglebox effect, and it. But I'm going to call it a very positive Gogglebox effect. Okay. And I'm, I know we're all disgusted that yeah. we've all now had this connection, but yeah. that's why that show works. That's why that show works on the level that people watch it, at least. Mm. Not that it works in any sort of just treats the news like yeah, the Truman Show. Basically. But that's just it. It's like we all have those experiences where we, we're sat round reflecting on media. I mean, I hate to point it out, but this podcast is 59 episodes of roughly an hour <laughs> at each. Of us sitting around goggleboxing about films that we've watched. That's like, true. It just ne- occurred to me that that's the case. I'm going to have to shut this whole thing yeah. down now. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> End transmission. <laughs> I really want to know what happens after he left that yeah. dome. I want to know if he r- was... Like, I, I wanted to know if he loved the people that had kept him locked up in there for the, all his life, or if he went on, like, a Charlie Sheen-style bender. <laughs> that is what I would do. Like, you saw how that. vanilla that world was. Like, they had the mm. beer, but they didn't have any hardcore vodka. Mm. There was no one partying really hard. It was like, he's mostly gonna... white people. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Like, it's the it, most it, incredibly whitewashed or, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, town. You know, there were, there were people of colour in there, but... Doing the menial jobs. Yeah, pr- yeah pretty much, was actually. Noticed. Yeah, it was... I mean, in fairness, like, the the world they were creating was quite 1950s. Like, he was watching I Love Lucy, was mm. his favourite TV show. I think, yeah, and I definitely believe that that was, like, a deliberate choice to help us get unsettled by that. Mm. Uh, everyone romanticises the 50s. Mm. Obviously, I don't remember them myself, mm. but... Yeah history books kind of painted as a miserable decade. Mm, yeah. But apparently it was amazing. I, I am curious as to what what maybe would have happened to Truman. Like, he had to meet that lady that he fell in love with. She was putting a coat on, they've met. As far as I'm concerned, it was like, she's putting a coat on, she's like, I'm going down to the studio, do, do, do. There you are, we love each other, hooray. But they so. never got much of a chance to talk. She represented freedom more than she was a person <laughs> that he knew and fell in love with. Mm. They could find out, actually, it's been a while, they do not have much in common. But, At know, least she won't be advertising cocoa when you're having a midlife crisis. Oh man, but no, no, if they were <laughs> small victories, yeah. But if they were dating, like she could totally throw some of those in, like a few years in, just to like really freak him out. Like, if, <laughs> oh, oh, that is mean, if, Steve. If they'd had an argument and she was like, right, I'm gonna get back at you, it was like, you know, I love Nescafe. It's so. Don't you subtle. do that? Don't you do it? I'm gonna start writing 23 on my face. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to remember that film. Um. So ultimately. Did we enjoy this film? Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm. I don't know if I'm happy I watched it or kind of cursed now because mm. I will probably forever be checking to make sure that the rain is actually falling on everyone and not just myself. Mm. Um, it was. It was. It was great. Uh, like you say, it was a horror because it's got some really horrific themes, but it deals with them in such a pleasant and comedic way like when he was trying to escape the dome and they set up the forest fire and the mm. nuclear melt- meltdown and it became so over the top that was funny but yeah. at the same time really really sad yeah seeing jim carrey chased through the forest by a bunch of guys in radiation suits was quite funny <laughs> and but and- also knowing that they were all actors who had last minute been told to put on these wacky costumes and mm. stop this guy at any cost was really sad yeah uh, yeah yeah, and that's just it. It's like you have, like, these, you have these moments of like, oh, that's funny, and then it's like, and there's the underlying horror. Yeah. I like to think that I'd be one of those people that I would undoubtedly get fired from the set, but mm. I, I hoped, I hope that I'm one of those people that would tell Truman, run, my friend, run, or like sneak him a sneaky little something from the outside world, mm. like the clue, a map. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're all working actors in here. Dan, would you take the Truman Show gig? 
uh, what is it like one of one of the extras um, helping the whole thing? Yeah, like you can't. Mm. So yeah, okay, so this is it. Let's say let's say it's not a not a regular role. Like you yeah, don't have yeah. to give up your life and be friends with them for thirty years or whatever. Like let's say this is um, <laughs> walk around in the background. Yeah, let's say you're circle. you're that's in town for a month. That's not a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That's okay. You're in town for a month. You're in Sea Haven for for a month. And you're going to be a character that's like staying in town for a month and has to interact with Truman every day for a month. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, you get paid big buckaroos yeah. and also you get like exposure for your career. Yeah. So it's like, oh God, you were uh, the, the yogurt salesman who yeah. came to town for a month. Had a gun in my yogurt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you had a gun in yogurt. You introduced, um, <laughs> you you were the person that introduced um, frozen yogurt to to mm. the town of sea haven <laughs> civilization yeah so because because obviously they have to introduce these new things yeah. slowly like so you introduce frozen yogurt to that and truman loves it and he comes every day to your stall and you're there for a month would you take that role bottom line yeah if i'm a working actor and i don't have any other any other dosh coming in mm. then i'm probably gonna take that yeah uh might regret it afterwards but would probably take it at the time mm. um uh but i could i could totally see um some uh, some people hearing this job and going, wow, what, like, that's advancing creativity and what an <laughs> awesome project. Yeah. Uh, what, what an unbelievable um, thing to be a part of. Mm. Really focus on the positive sort of uh, ideals of what it is and completely ignore the fact that you're deluding someone's entire life and profiting off mm. their captivity in whatever gilded cage you put them in. That's essentially yeah. what you're doing. Uh, so I could totally see... Mm. Young Dan going, yeah, that sounds really cool. And then later going, oh, I helped enslave someone. Yeah. But still being rich. Moral conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Philip, you've, you've already said you'd be... Oh, yeah. Gu- like like the I Christmas said, present. When, you're, when you're an actor and you want work, you'll take anything, anything at all. Um, so, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would. Straight out. Uh, but I like to... I, I'm sure it wouldn't be... Uh, I like to think that I would then go crazy after about three weeks on the job and get escorted off by security like leave in style yeah my temptation were because i would probably also take the job realistically um but my temptation would be to add something every day to just like make something subtle yeah just until like the last day it's kind of like that thing of like if you ever won the lottery Mm. my feeling is like say you had won like millions of dollars i probably wouldn't ever say outright i won the lottery Mm. i just add one additional thing each week until the point where someone goes how? Is he wearing a golden top hat? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, see how far you can go with it. That would be probably what I would The gradual it. escalation. Yeah. Inchworm millionaire. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, inchworm millionaire. That was my uh, nickname in high school. <laughs> um, we've got some trivia, uh, some trivia facts from the film. Would you guys like to hear them? Absolutely. Ooh, okay, our first trivia fact is that Jim Carrey and Ed Harris never met while <gasps> making this film. That's good. I mean, their characters and they meet person to person. They only have yeah. that conversation at the end. Was was it them talking? Yeah, it was them talking, but they never... Well, but they Truman's in one location yeah. and um, Christoph's in another, so they wouldn't have ever acted opposite each other, really. But do you know if it was Ed Harris reading while I don't Jim know. Carrey was, was acting? Or did they do the old Darth Vader trick? Yeah. yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm guessing because they were two separate shoots, neither would have had the yeah. other's voice there. It would have just been somebody reading in Jim Carrey's lines to Ed Harris and vice versa. And that would have been particularly interesting for them both. Mm. Cool. Kind of fits into the whole thing, though, because yeah. they, they don't meet. Mm. And that was one of the things, it's like, this is a weirdly touching film. Like, I found myself getting quite emotionally invested mm. in the final, final act. And I do feel 
a little bit of that empathy for for Christoph for the fact that you know even though he's um I can't help but wonder if this was genuinely his way of showing affection yeah it's it's that thing where it's like he's a dickhead and mm. he's done something which is pretty pretty um horrible but I never doubted for a second that he had he had a, a, like he had his his cares for Truman. It was his yeah. whole life. Yeah. He does a lot of like they do clever tiny details, such as the fact that you learn that Truman was an unwanted pregnancy. Mm, yeah. They give you these little bits of information that make you wonder. Oh, would his life outside of the mystical fake Truman world have been, you know, quite a horrible, not not enviable sort of existence whatsoever? Mm. Um, we'll never know. Yeah. But I feel like he definitely was not uh, evil. Like I, he almost felt like he was doing something really nice for someone. Yeah. Well, I we don't see much of the outside world, but what we do see are people, maybe it's select members of it who just are so focused on the TV show they want to tune out the outside world. But to me, that says that there's something worth tuning out there. Mm. There is. I mean, <laughs> can't possibly relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it's a weird. It, it, just again, just this film has so many wonderful parts to it. I think Christoph does undo a lot of that goodwill when he does try to drown him with a storm. Yeah. But I was also reading that as him losing control and essentially doing his like all or nothing, doubling down. Yeah. Um, and then he relents ultimately when he thinks, oh, oh, I might have actually killed him. He he relents and stops, and then from there, essentially, just does the final speech where he says, you know. You don't have to go. You can stay. How does he expect that to work, though? That That's something that um, occurred to me more this viewing than any other. Mm. How do you expect Truman to go, all right, cool, I'll go home, and um, uh, spool the boat from the wall, yeah. sail back, or have someone pick him up, and then then what? Start doing Pretend. product placement like everyone yeah. else? He is never going to take a normal bowel movement ever no, again. No, exactly. Ah. There, there's there's no going back from that. And yet he asks and pleads, yeah. go back. It was Ow. the last act of a desperate man. Hmm. Um, and that does also raise the question, the ultimate question with Truman Show, which is, when he gets out in the real world, everybody has seen him masturbate, I'm presuming. Absolutely. Well, they said you don't see sex. They just cut away and you see some music. Those tapes are going to leak. <laughs> There's no, cameras so, everywhere. You're so right. You're so right. They always leak. Think about the world we're in today, Daniel. You're, no, you're, you're definitely yeah. right. Yeah. There's footage out there of me oh. masturbating. Yeah, I know. But in fairness, if you do it on a train, you've got to expect <laughs> it. It's going to happen. Mm. In an interview, director Peter Weir stated he wanted to have cameras installed in every theatre that the film was shown in. He was then going to have the projectionist at one point cut the power and cut to the viewers watching the film as part of the film. That's pretty great. Uh so other than the success of the film would rely on the competency of a projectionist yeah I think that's why they didn't do it but yeah, but can you imagine great. watching that and then all of a sudden having a shot of yourself that would be so creepy if you were like 100% sure that you were the only people in that theatre and then mm. it cuts to you and then suddenly there's some people behind you like you oh know, man that's that's a whole other level brain's of just horror. gone place yeah, yeah. don't well, do this bad idea alright mm. <laughs> powerful um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're wearing a mask and everything it's just <laughs> Oh my god I, know. <laughs> the... I just start signing my will yeah. <laughs> Text it to mum Terrifying The true mania bit Where Truman draws on the mirror with soap And acts strange 
was completely improvised by Jim Carrey. Obviously. In another take, he drew long curly hair and a dress on himself. So, yeah, that was the one they went with. Right. It is a lovely bit of improv. It Mm. is just... It's just fun. It is nice that, you know, he he did have those moments to to flex his improvisational skills. Mm. Um, Because that is part of the fun of 90s Jim Carrey, is seeing him just let loose. Um, And he gets moments in this, like when he's driving the car in the round and round, the roundabout. Um, But yeah. I think a lot of, like, not a lot of, I think of the famous 90s male actors, a lot of them would not have been able to actually do this sort of role without making it incredibly existential or creepy or depressing. Hmm. He does a very good job of keeping it fun to watch. Hmm. What I loved, it just popped in my head there, uh, was right at the end before he he walks away as Christoph's uh, talking to him, you don't see his face at all. He's turned completely away. Mm. And for the first time, you see none of his thoughts and you don't see his reaction to anything except that one time when he half turns and says, you didn't have a camera in my head. Uh, And that just occurred to me to be a, a nice moment where the crux of it all... Mm. You don't see what he's thinking for the yeah. first time in his entire yeah, existence. he has privacy. The mm. moment he steps through that doorway, he has true privacy for the first time in his life. But even before, when 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 you're seeing, mm. uh, yeah. hearing Christoph uh, do his spiel, you don't you don't see it's his... just the back of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and it's a really lovely, it's a really lovely way they've shot that. And mm. I'm sure with Peter Weir being a very clever director, that was deliberate. Mm. Uh, um, all the streets in Seahaven refer to movie actors, so Lancaster ah. Square, Barrymore Road, oh, and all the cast nice. members are named after movie stars. Meryl, Marlon, Lauren, Kirk, of course. Angela. Oh my word. They're all named after famous actors. Wow. Even Truman himself is Truman Burbank, after Burbank Studios in Los Angeles, California. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I did not know that. Etymology is fun. <laughs> word. Um, people on the set were forbidden from uttering phrases from Jim Carrey's previous silly movies. So you weren't allowed to be going, Somebody stop me! That was, that, was that because, I don't know, I imagine that people would have been saying that to him non-stop. Yeah. Like, screaming mm. out at him. Yeah. And, like, you know, they're trying to do a serious film. I can imagine yeah. Peter Weir going, Guys... Guys, can everyone just stop going, Slinky, Slinky, everyone loves <laughs> a Slinky! <laughs> just... <laughs> Please don't do that. That one specifically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just imagining a town full of all these extras on the yeah. spot, and it's like, waiting, waiting, and one of them just starts doing that sort of thing, yeah. Yep. It must be like a swear jar sort of thing. Mm. Like, every time you did the Jim Carrey quote, it's like, right, yeah. quote jar. I'm imagining one of the twins knocking out the other one, and then doing the Monopoly Man bit, going, do not pass go, do not collect $200. It wasn't me, it was the one I'd made. Yes. <laughs> oh. As I said, Cuban Pete. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jim Carrey and Peter Weir initially found working together on set difficult. Carrey's contract actually gave him the power to demand rewrites as part of this. That's impressive. But Weir was impressed with Carrey's improvisational skills and allowed him to utilise them within the film, and the two became more interactive. And I think it's good that they were able to like establish that relationship over time. Hmm. Um, I think that's that's good direction, essentially going u- utilising one of your performer's strengths as opposed to, um, I suppose, trying to negate it and create more difficulties. Yeah, if you don't use that, that's like having a lump of gold and going, okay, but where's the copper in this? Yeah. doesn't make much sense to like order someone, like order them from a catalogue, is how I assume the producers just go through and say, okay, I want a Jim Carrey by four o'clock. <laughs> and then to ask it to not be funny, it's like, yeah. why did you order the Jim Carrey? <laughs> mm. 
Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, two American film reviewers, uh, who obviously did the Siskel and Ebert show, um, <laughs> they both gave the film two thumbs up. They really, really liked the film. They also, as part of the review, uh, gave an on-air apology to Jim Carrey for saying that he would not have a career after they panned Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> okay, A... Ace Ventura is gold, so I don't know what movies they were watching. Well, they're film reviews, so every other film, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe they're there going, "Mm, this Ace Ventura thing maybe isn't great. (laughs) Would they give you a two thumbs up out of five thumbs? I think it's literally just they both possessed... It was like their individual thumbs. So right. like, like collectively, I think four thumbs is the most yeah. you could get. Four. That's, so that's so they, he got a score of 50%. That's no, no, he great. got four. He, they both gave him two thumbs up. So oh, right. he would have so got four thumbs. He got the full four thumbs. Right. Four thumbs out of a possible four thumbs. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Full, okay, cool. full four thumbs. <laughs> full film. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> New tongue twister. Just going to write that one down. <laughs> um, although interestingly, Peter Weir actually cast Jim Carrey because of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Um, Why? He, because Kerry's performance reminded him of Charlie Chaplin, That's and that was fair. one of the things that attracted him to him as a performer. Sure, but why for this role? I think it was more just like he was like, oh, I really like what this guy does. Right. I more so than a oh, there's this one bit where he has to like climb out of a rhino's ass. Let's let's go with <laughs> yeah. the guy who's I'll already done that. I will never forget that scene mm. for the rest of my life. <laughs> nope. That stayed with me, traumatized yep. me. Yeah. Look, mommy, it's giving birth. <laughs> 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 oh, let's just watch Ace Ventura. <laughs> this film's good, but let's just do that. Uh, well, um, quick question: The Matrix. Yes, mm. you guys have seen that. Yes. Did you experience the reality bending? Is it all real after watching The Matrix? Did I go through a crisis of the simulation yeah. theory? Yeah. No. What about with this? With this feeds a bit more into my paranoia um, <laughs> of not so much is the world real and tangible difference I guess is if the matrix is real there's no nothing I can do about it there's no way I can or cannot prove it a Truman sort of situation is just if every single person I've ever loved and trusted is a liar mm. and a manipulator which is a lot more scary and sadly a lot more possible than uh computer war mm. I guess I, I know all the people out there who are deeply believe in the matrix mm. are very upset at me right now mm. But I personally don't think that has happened. The Truman Show, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's a bit, just fake people. Mm. So it's possible. I, I see it as more uncertain. more possible than, than the, the Matrix-type simulation theory. Yeah. And it affected me in that way more so than than the, the Matrix did. Yeah. Um, uh, and here in Australia, we are supposedly a fake country, according to a lot of people who don't believe that... Australia exists and no, that we're a made-up conspiracy. Yeah, see, for that it's the round earthers yeah. made up Australia. Could oh, look, be. I mean, I had to come here just to check. I did come here as a fourteen-year-old. I'm like, oh, it is real. Okay, even though all your trees look like Doctor Zeus drew them. Yeah, they do. They weird. don't. They? It's a, it's a, yeah, that that was the main difference when I moved to this country. First thing I noticed was like, what is wrong with these trees? <laughs> they are all over the place. What are you doing? We have too much sun, all right? Yeah. We don't know what to do. The trees are just going crazy. Everything is just... They're like a rugs a million. We've got too many branches! We don't know what to do with them! (laughs) Everything must go! One of the actors who was potentially in the running for the role of Truman is another comedian who did uh, serious acting in Robin Williams. Oh, actually, if anyone else, him, Mm. I would suggest. Yeah. I mean, I think... 
I think true. I think Jim Carrey's more believable. Me too, because Something, he's boyish, you know, very vulnerable mm. about it. I feel like Robin Williams would have turned that into a real heartbreaking sort of piece. Yeah, like, that but, man just had a direct line to my feels. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, shape, or form. He, I think he does that with a lot of people. Yeah, he's, and he's very effective. But it, it is interesting how these, um, particularly within like American society, where you have the sort of direct correlation between your uh, stand-ups going into film and things like that, mm. and the ones that can actually do a bit of acting, how they do those serious films and they can be so effective, like mm. Robin and like Jim Carrey. Um, yeah, it is almost like these stories. Some some stories like this just come into existence at the right time for them to show their chops mm. and yeah i think this was the absolute perfect film for jim carrey at the right time i do i, re- I really i know that no one took him seriously or apart from all his millions of loving fans but uh, the industry people yeah not until after this show, uh, this movie's success was he even really considered a, a real actor a lot mm. of people considered him a bit of a gag that we would get bored of yeah jokes on them just a little um, some of the other directors, normally we go through different actors, but obviously there were other directors in, lo- in the line. Uh, Andrew Nichol, who wrote the screenplay, was uh, potentially going to direct it. He hadn't directed before, um, but because obviously the studio were putting 60 to $80 million in it, they went, let's go with someone that's done this before. Let's maybe not give it to a first-time director. It already felt like one of the most expensive student films ever made. <laughs> in, like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the themes of it, it's quite... It's quite I suppose it's almost got indie sensibilities to to an extent. Uh, but some of the directors that they were looking at... Tim Burton was oh. one that was considered. Oh, that would have been fantastic. I, I'm, obviously, I'm a shameless Tim Burton fan. Anything that he touches just turns to gold, mm. in my opinion. Oh, like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Yeah, mm. yeah that was... With the sort of of the Charlie Touché. and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory remake. I forgot that happened. And the Planet of the Apes remake. That's still fine, I reckon. Actually, like, I'll be honest, I do quite yeah. like that. Even I was only like eight when I watched that as well, so it was mm. just an action movie with monkeys. I was happy. I was sold. I, I would say probably don't rewatch it though. It doesn't really stand up that well. Oh, uh, that that needs to be a list on the internet. Films not to rewatch. Yeah, I think I think the problem though is that all the cameras would be a lot more spiral than circular, <laughs> and we'd have a scene where all the extras are getting ready, going, "This is Sea Heaven. This is Sea Heaven." <laughs> Laura Linney wouldn't be in it. It'd be Helen the Bottom Carter, definitely. Yeah. Although that said, yeah, I'd like uh, to see her threaten to stab, peel, or slice someone. And, and would, would we it? have Johnny yeah. Depp playing Truman? Do you reckon? Do you think that could have happened? Very Ooh. dark Truman that one. Ah, see, I like I like Tim Burton, but I I don't think this would have been a good Tim no. Burton. Film. <laughs> uh, another act, uh, director, sorry, who was considered uh, Brian De Palma was one of the original ones that was considered, um, but he stepped aside. Uh, Terry Gilliam, which means that the film would have almost certainly exploded somehow because of his track record with films, but. I could see that. I think it would work if they'd manage a bit more Brazilish. Yeah, it would be like it would be fun, but yeah. I am worried that the whole thing would have collapsed somehow because he just has a oh 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 what yeah. the, the actual making of the film yeah, yeah right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah right. his sort of reverse Midas touch that he has um, <laughs> and yeah Steven Spielberg uh, was one uh, of the others he's done sure. enough. Yeah, and yeah. I think that reaction is, yeah. is pretty much like, <laughs> Spielberg's good at what he does, but this isn't a Spielberg type yeah. film. There wasn't a planet blowing up in this, so there was no... There was no that's yeah. George Lucas. I it w- yeah, it wasn't like... It wouldn't have been Marlon hiding Truman in a bike and then, like, riding past that light-up moon. <laughs> it would have just been... I mean, it could work, could, but... It could have happened, actually. Yeah, an alien ship descends and mm. takes Truman home. Yeah. The original... Sylvia is an mm. alien. <laughs> The original script was darker and had crucial differences from the shooting draft. 
Uh, the city was not a utopian society, and there mm. were staged criminal incidents. In fact, in one of the early drafts, Truman sees like a woman being attacked by two men, and he just chooses to walk on. And all the actors stop and go, "Why didn't he stop us? Why didn't he stop us from like attacking this woman?" And all the actors are there going, "What a dig!" Essentially, that's magnificent. Yeah. Oh, that should have been so included. That's, Is this one of those cases wonderful. of like when the book's darker than the movie, yeah. and someone's like, "Oh, like you know," yeah. when you pick up Peter Pan, thinking, yeah. "Oh, hello." Yeah, I think the problem was was that yeah, the original because this went through. Like, I think this was like the 16th version of the script eventually. It started off very dark, and they they lightened it up as it went. Mm. But that was one of the things. Uh, Truman had a drinking problem. Uh, it was clearly stated that Truman makes love to his wife, uh, as opposed to just sort of being alluded to mm. in in this. Uh, Christoph's intention was for Truman to have Meryl uh, get pregnant, and the child would then carry on the show. Um, oh, of whoa. course, yeah. So yeah. was that was that like meant to be explored in? It was in, one of the, the original ideas in the yeah. script. I mean, you you even talk, see when at one point in this, Christoph talks about the fact that he the plan for the future yeah. is for TV's first on air conception. Yeah, but I always thought that you. Oh no, I don't know what I thought actually. Yeah, mm. wow, that's dark. It's pretty dark. That's <laughs> pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was also a scene written where Truman exits and directly confronts Christoph and the main cast members on a rooftop. Yeah, um, that didn't happen. Yeah, and while in the film story, uh, Truman exits the fake world, there was an encounter on this rooftop where um, the the actors would stare at him sheepishly, but Truman would rage attack Christoph and try and strangle him, and eventually be reunited with Sylvia. As long as he got reunited with Sylvia, that's yeah. the important thing. Would have been a bit more intense as well if he had to leave a like family. Well, he left a, a wife who was terrible to mm. him. But she, you know, lovely lady, but she was just there for advertising. If he had to leave like a, a child behind as well, that would, mm. probably would have changed his decision a bit more towards yeah. the Maybe I, I don't know. And I think that's why they were pushing for it because as mm. soon as you have that child, he's trapped. Yeah, in, I like a not lot of children are trapped, but, <laughs> but he would have been emotionally compromised. Yep. A, a sort of inbuilt weakness, if you will, yeah. a degradation yeah. Yeah. Of, the, of his very life and soul that would never end. Yeah, Signing children. Up for an yeah. <laughs> uh, happy Mother's Day, everybody! Uh, <laughs> and our final fact, and it's geography based. So, where do you think the the studio was? This big domed megastructure. Where do you think it was? Oh, what in, in the film world? Or? In the yeah, in the film world. Where do you think it would have been? Oh, like. Like where was it shot or where? Did yeah, they where, set as in it? like not not as in like where Sea Haven's meant to be, but like Florida, the studio itself, that big dome studio. You reckon Florida? Oh, well, they, Knowing nothing they, about America, they pulled out of America and they had Florida sitting right on top of California. No, they had the, the dome sitting on top of California. So yeah. my assumption is it's right next to LA with a Hollywood sign. Well, interestingly, I think that's where they were meant to be doing it as well. But Truman references his vi- dream to visit Fiji, which, according to him, is the farthest away place he can go uh, without starting to turn back. For that to be the case, the set of the Truman Show would have to be in Timbuktu in Mali, <laughs> because that is on the opposite side of the planet from Fiji. In Timbuktu. You yeah. know, they had a really great library there once. Yeah, so my headcanon is that, that he gets out of the dome and he's in Timbuktu going, hang on a sec, this isn't America. <laughs> Daniel, you have quite the face. Well, that's just so funny. That's that's like almost a pun hidden just in the in the script there for people to go. Oh, so where is what? That's that's a joke. Mm. That's a gag. I think that's just a coincidence. I don't think they legitimately went. You know what would be funny if we. Had... But they make a point. They go other side, and he even gets the ball. Yeah, and does the. 
Yeah, if you do if you do the actual maths, uh, sorry, flat earthers, uh, the other side, he is. He would have to be in Timbuktu. I'm not sure how good his geography was, though, because, you know, mm. his, his Mount was, Rushmore was yeah. a bit small. Yeah. So. I'm sorry, everywhere's already been discovered. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my word. Soul crushing. Oh, that's so good. So, let's score the film. Uh, we'll start with you, Phil, because this was your first time watching What's... The Truman Show. What would you give it out of ten? Oh, oh, that's tricky. Um... Oh, I feel like my answer's going to change constantly for, for a while. But at the moment, just watching it, out of 10, am I allowed to do 0.5? Yeah. Okay. 7.5. 7.5. Cool. Now, that, that's good, yeah. So, a, a, a good film. Yes. 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 Dan, what would you give uh, The Truman Show out of 10? Um. Uh, it, Ages ago, I, I would have said it was like one of one of the best films that could ever be. Uh, I, I was really, really taken with this in the in my early years. Um, and I still really am. Um, possibly more so, in fact. Mm. It's the, it keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. I'm going to give it... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it nine... Um, Dan's cheap, efficient lawnmower is out of ten. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a nice product placement. Thank you. Yeah, it was I was trying to think of all through the last half of this. <laughs> I'm trying to think of oh, what what can I use as the scoring system? Yeah, uh, for me, I, I I'm sort of I'm very aware that obviously we're in the the afterglow of of having just mm. experienced this film, and I always forget how much I like this film until I watch it. But then it's not something where I'm like. Like, if you ask me in two weeks, what's my favourite film? The Truman Show is probably not going to pop up in my first ten that I mentioned. Neither would It's got mine. to compete against some epic movies. It does. But at the same time, this there is, is a real fun. there is a real thrill in watching it, particularly the second half. Mm. I think the first half is... It's not quite how I remembered it. I thought there was a bit more... Truman seems to be on the ball that something's up straight away. Mm. And I didn't remember that from, from previous viewings. And I also do feel as though, that as, despite the fact it's beautifully shot and the music is lovely and everyone's doing a really good job, there are bits that do feel just a little bit clunky. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's like a deliberate choice or if that's just an effect of the film being a few years on. And the fact that maybe it was trying to shoot what it imagined reality TV would be, whereas obviously now we're watching it with the knowledge of two decades of reality <laughs> TV and going... Yes. Oh, okay. The that's... hell that has been. <laughs> yeah, but going like, oh, that's not the language that we're used to yeah. in this sort of program. Not yeah. that I watch a lot of reality TV, but you catch enough sort of passing by, or, you know, just being unfortunately with your eyes in that direction, you, you sort of catch <laughs> what what the what the film language is. Yeah. And so there are little clunky bits, but I think they're very forgivable. I think this is just a really, just a really great film. Um, I would probably give it it's really hard because I keep I keep jumping around between numbers, but I'm I'm going to settle on eight and a half Paul Giamatti pizza slices um, out of ten. <laughs> and again, Paul Giamatti with a little yeah. cameo and uh, just just killing it, just just playing That's a lazy schlub and doing a good job of it. Mm. Um, oh no, no, actually no, it's going to be as well as Paul Giamatti. It's eight and a half uh, guys on exercise bikes in front of the giant monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Just pumping away, As doing his CrossFit. Boss isn't watching. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that movie could probably be revisited. The text uh, in a post-reality TV world, we mm. could probably interesting a, a second Truman Show with you know, 
where the evil Truman comes back and mm. helps them or whatever. I don't know. A reboot, uh, perhaps? Yeah, where everyone's got cell phones and uh, technological sort of... Mm. Interesting that that know. hasn't been touched yet. You, yeah. Because that it occurs to me, yeah, you're right, that would be a particularly topical and easy one to, to reboot and it's been some time as opposed mm. to it's been doing another years. Jungle Book say which another Marvel film mm. or that that will come out so. yeah and also I think with with contemporary Truman one of the thoughts I've had is that so Truman leaves the dome he'd almost certainly be asked in the modern day to do like a video blog series mm. like something where he'd have a YouTube channel and people would be like oh my god it's the Truman guy mm. and he's back on camera and you stuff like that you would have gone full like cardboard box drinking out of a vodka bottle until Oprah I... dragged him in for the interview no that was just Jim Carrey that was, <laughs> that was yeah that's just a good day yeah that was just what he Jim did Carrey. Just before we go, uh, Phil, you've this was your second film. Yes. Uh, and as we mentioned before, it's a Laura Linney double because she's in uh, Love Actually. Yes, she was. Which Laura Linney do you prefer? In terms of like, do you prefer her performance in this, playing someone who is lying and pushed to the edge to the point where she's like screaming, it's so unprofessional, or her character Sarah in Love Actually? Sarah in Love Actually, hands mm. down. Um, the, the lady she played in this is easily... Apart from the Dark Lord Sauron, the most evil person I have ever, fictional character or otherwise. Whoa! Just... I I'm going to disagree with you there. <laughs> I, 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 okay, that's a that's a big Sauron, statement. and then maybe we can stick Darth Vader in there as well. Then Sauron does have a big eye and watches a lot of things. Oh, right. I mean, it is it what is kind quite of like Kristoff. <sighs> but she's again, she's she is an actor who took on a job. No, we talk about this earlier. Actors yeah. who would take on a job, okay, for okay. pay, but. Those two actors, the best friend and the wife, mm. they psychologically lied and tortured and did that to someone for decades. But you could imagine their prep and audition being Christoph, this uber artist, doing this uh, this program that's going to change the shape of, of entertainment forever. And also, you can imagine being swindled. And also, that. they were but... super young. Like, mm. um, Marlon knew him from when he was eight, and mm. she turned up as a teenager. Mm. They would have grown a conscience eventually. I don't know if she did a lot of product placement. <laughs> Maybe it's the product placement. Maybe that's why she's up there. We don't know, really, yeah, necessarily the world that they're, mm. they're hiding Truman from. Maybe yeah. it is really hard to make it as an actor. Mm. Maybe, it's like, maybe it's like Thunderdome. Maybe it's a Mad Max world. Yes! And... Everyone's in domes, and this is just the Truman Dome. And then he gets out, and he runs into yeah. um, Tina Turner, the, the right people there. from Biodome and Tina Turner. <laughs> Tina Turner yeah. yeah. Oh my word! I thank you. That is now my head cannon. Yeah. It is Dome World. Dome wow! Five thousand men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> uh, that brings us to the end of our review of the Truman Show. Dan and Philip, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having us, Stephen. Mm, thanks for having us, Stephen. And thank you very much for listening. For more information, we can be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can find the page, like it. You can get links to other episodes, another ooh, 58 of them. You can uh, download and listen. You can leave your comments on this episode as well. You can be going, no, Christoph was fine. Um, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, you can leave it at the Facebook page. Uh, to subscribe to this series, if you haven't already, we can be found on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other podcasting or podcatching service. Subscribe there and you'll get a fresh episode each and every week, just like Mama used to make. And we are also on Patreon. You can find us by going to www.patreon.com dot com forward slash ccuc podcast and you can even become an official member of the club but that's all for this week so until next time 
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.